So we are in a sermon series on miracles at the moment, and over this series, we're focusing in on two chapters in Matthew's gospel, chapters um, eight and nine. And these are two chapters which are full of um, stories of healing and deliverance of different types of miracles. And essentially, through this sermon series, we are looking at what are the ingredients of kingdom miracles. How can we position ourselves so that we might see God move in that way every day? And now we know that as a topic, this this subject is one that can create a whole lot of mixed feelings in the room. Maybe there is feelings of doubt because we're not really sure if God can move that way. Or maybe there is disappointment because you are living in the pain of unanswered prayers today. Or maybe it's just the everyday tension of of living in the now and not yet of the kingdom of heaven. The proclamation that God is making all things new, that we are on this journey of redemption, and yet what we see around us in the world is a world caught up in violence and death and suffering, not a whole lot of miracles. The writer Habakkuk wrote these words, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. We believe that God is a God of the miraculous. God is a God who heals. It's his will to heal and it is his nature to bring about freedom and deliverance. We know he can. We know he will, and we are praying that we would see it here today in King's Cross. And so this series isn't designed to kind of make any of us feel bad or like beat down on us, but it's designed to raise our faith, that we might all say to our souls, wake up, God is on the move, that we might be drawn to to pray with faith and expectancy, to live with a hope built on the good news of Jesus, with eyes that look for the miraculous, And hearts that cry, oh God, would you do it again today? And so as we track through the series, the invitation is to stand in the midst of all of the the tension and the conflicts that we feel, all of the uncertainty, not to deny any of that, but to stand in the middle of it and to clasp our hands in prayer and say, come on God, please would you move again? About um, 20 or so years ago, I was um, a visitor in a village doing some ministry work, and I'd seen God move in some amazing ways, and I was sort of like riding high on faith, having seen God do some incredible stuff, and I got taken to visit a family that I didn't know, and um, I was taken into this small room in this small hut, and, and on the floor was this young boy who was clearly disabled and who had um, obviously was suffering from mal- malnutrition and, and negligence. And as a visitor to this community, I was taken to see this boy um, and to pray for his healing. And as the whole village sort of watched on, I, I stood there in the middle of this hut and I felt all of these eyes on me. And it was as if they were just waiting for me to kind of like wave some sort of magic wand and, and fix this situation. And I kept thinking about that story in Acts, you know, when Peter and John are on their way to the temple and, and there's, a, there's a, um, a beggar and he's asking for money and they say, um, as the Sunday school song goes, if you know it, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And there I am on the floor of this small room, and in my head I'm saying, just say those words. Just, just hold out your hand and say those words. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And, and I was hearing it over and over going in my head, but I just, I just, I couldn't do it. I, I was stood there and I, I was praying and I was crying and I was weeping and I was, and I was, I was interceding, but I couldn't hold out my hands. I couldn't say those words. And I don't know what would have happened if I had done. Maybe the child would have been healed, maybe not. I think that God is far bigger than my fears and inadequacies and loves his world and this child far more than my failings to be able to heal with or without me. But for years, the image of this child kind of haunted me. This, this fear of an unanswered prayer, this, this fear of stepping out, of looking foolish, of looking stupid, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. I don't know why God acts sometimes and sometimes doesn't. I don't know why revivals happen at certain points in history and at other times it can feel like God is just absent. I don't know why some people lay a hand on someone and pray for healing and they get healed and other times the same person prays for someone else and they don't. But I do know that God is a God of miracles. And I think to a certain extent that we have a choice to be part of that miraculous work or not, to put ourselves in the position to, to see a miracle, to be willing to hold out our hands, even to risk foolishness. About 10 years ago, there was a book that was released. You might have seen it at the time. It was called H's for Hawk. And it was about this woman's search for a, a bird, for a, for a wild goshawk, um, which is a notoriously difficult bird to, to spot. And she was, she was on this search to see this bird in the wild while she was also navigating grief um, in her life. And near the beginning of it, she, she wrote these words, looking for goshawks is like looking for grace. It comes, but not often. And you don't get to say when or how, but you have a slightly better chance on still, clear mornings in early spring. Praying for miracles, praying for healing. There's no magic equation to always ensure that our prayers are answered, but there are things that we can do. There are the equivalent of a clear spring morning, ways that we can put ourselves in the right place and with the right heart attitude. And what we're focusing on today is the Word of God the power that is released in a moment of proclamation, a moment of proclamation that brings about healing, that brings about a miracle. And in our two chapters from Matthew, and in fact in many of the miracles that we see in the Gospels and the stories of Jesus, we see Jesus issuing a proclamation of healing and then an often instant healing takes place. So in Matthew 8, we read, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Or a few verses later in the same chapter, then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Or later again, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. 
Across nearly all of the miracles um, in the gospel stories, whether it's healings or deliverance or some other kind um, of miracle, they, they take place alongside a spoken word from Jesus. And there's nearly no lag time between Jesus speaking the word and the healing taking place. There are a handful of exceptions. The woman, um, the bleeding woman who touched his cloak would be an example. But by far the most common pattern is this one. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of leprosy. Just those two simple words, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed. And there are three ways that we see miracles happen um, in the Bible. They can be instant, um, incremental, or eternal. So an instant miracle, you know, Jesus says, be still, and the winds and the waves cease. We pray for someone's healing, and we see an instant and dramatic change in them. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out of the grave, and Lazarus was raised from the dead, healed of his sickness, and restored to life. Or, or there's incremental healing, you know, you've come to faith. You discover a God who loves you and a, and a community to stand with you. Bit by bit, the pain of past trauma and disappointment is healed. Therapy helps, prayer ministry helps. Being part of a hub or a pattern, a community of believers brings grace and restoration to your life. And every time you worship, every time you pray and read your Bible, more and more of you is sanctified, set free, healed and delivered. And eternally, that, that final and total healing that we will only fully experience in heaven. Paul puts it, puts it this way. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. These, these miracles, the instant, the incremental, and the eternal begin with a word, the word breaking into earth, bringing this foretaste of the eternal into the present. And we're going to start by looking a little bit more at the instant and immediate miracle, a, a moment of dramatic breakthrough. The Bible opens with these words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Just let those verses sink in for a moment. The earth was formless and empty. The Spirit of God hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, just like that. Darkness to light, nothingness to something. I love the, the power in these verses, the kind of the immediacy of them. God speaks, God acts, God proclaims, let there be light, and all of creation responds, and there was light. The power to change, to bring order out of chaos, to, to shine light into the darkness, I love those words, but they are also so challenging. Those places in, in my life, in the lives of those around me, in the city, in, in this world, those places that feel like chaos and darkness. Do I believe that if God said, let there be light into any of those situations, there would, in fact, be light? 
You know, in the gospel, we see these moments when the light kind of breaks in suddenly, when, when it's like, when there's these dramatic healings, you know, Lazarus is raised from the dead, the blind see, and the lame are healed, these suddenly moments when, when it's like heaven breaks in, the pain and darkness of the world is pushed back, be clean, and immediately he was cleansed. And I had this, this picture as I was praying and thinking about this, this talk, and, and it was this picture of Jesus sort of standing in front of each one of us and, and saying those words to us, speaking to those parts of our life where we need him to break in, where we need the darkness to be pushed back, where we need the light to shine, where we need healing for sickness, where we need salvation, where we need freedom from addiction, where we need forgiveness, where we need redemption, restoration, provision. And Jesus standing in front of each one of us and speaking to that part of, of our life, that part of our hearts and saying, be free, be forgiven, be clean, be healed, be redeemed. That his word unlocks something in us. In, in John um, chapter 5, we, there's a story of a, of a man who was um, by the pool of Bethesda. And it's a man who had been um, an invalid for, the Bible says, for 38 years. And he'd spent his life by the side of this pool waiting for his healing. It was be believed that these waters were, were healing waters and that if they were stirred, like if the water became, um, came, became stirred, the first person to get themselves into the water would be healed. And so the banks of this water, the sides of the pool, were just full of people waiting for a miracle, waiting for their turn. And we pick up the story in John um, chapter 5, verse 6, when, when Jesus sees this man lying there, and he learns that he'd been in this condition for a long time, and he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Jesus asks this man this penetrating question. Do you want to get well? This man's whole world had revolved around his sickness. For nearly four decades, this had been who he was. His income would have come mostly from begging. His identity was in his sickness. This is, this is who he was. And this prophetic word from Jesus, this question cuts right to the heart of him. Do you want to get well? And interestingly, the man doesn't actually answer Jesus. He merely justifies why he hasn't. No one's here to help me. I'm, I'm alone. I never get in first. The word of Jesus has cut straight to the heart of the matter for this man, unlocking a truth buried behind 40 years of pain. In the late um, 90s, um, this, this film came out, Goodwill Hunting, um, which I, I'm guessing most people will have seen. If you've not seen it, I really recommend it. Um, but in case you don't know the film, Matt Damon plays a, um, a guy called Will Hunting, um, a young man who was um, recently paroled from jail, who was a self-taught mathematical genius. He'd experienced um, abuse and neglect and was caught in a cycle of violence and self-destruction in his own life. 
And Robin Williams plays a psychologist who began to counsel Will Hunting. And in a candid conversation in Robin Williams' office, they connect over having both experienced violent abuse um, at the hands of their fathers. And Robin Williams goes up to this, to Matt Damon's character, and he, and he says to him, it's not your fault. What happened to you? It's, it's not your fault. And he just keeps repeating those words. It's, it's not your fault. And it's like a dam bursts. These, these words of love and truth break through the facade. They cut right through the defenses, go right to the core of this young man's pain, and he breaks down and he sobs. And it's a beautiful moment in the film. The power of a word, a word of truth, of kindness, of love, a word of power. Do you want to get well? What's really going on here? What's at the heart of the issue? Is this a question of physical health? Is this a broken heart? Is this four decades of loneliness and pain? No one to help him get into the water. Jesus cuts through all of it right to the core. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. And I think this is one of the core messages for us today. The power of a word, a direct word from God to your heart to unlock healing, to bring freedom, to see miracles. Our faith has shrunk if we stop believing that God is a God of miracles. And I think the invitation for us today is to bring the disappointment to bring the pain of unanswered prayers, the anger, the lament, to bring all of it before the God who created the heaven and the earth, the God who is in the, in the business of making all things new, to bring it all before him and experience the inbreaking word of Jesus saying, get up and walk, be cleansed, be healed, be set free. So sometimes miracles happen that way. They happen instantly. And other times they take longer. The incremental healings. And then the many times when we only see the full answer to our prayers in the miracle of eternity. You know, the Bible starts in, in a garden, in a perfect creation. God saw the world that he had created and he said, it is good. And the book ends with the same creation, restored, redeemed, once again made good. No mourning, no pain, no more death, no doubt or confusion of unanswered prayers. At one in communion with our God, fully healed. Paul in 1 Corinthians, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. All sickness, all weakness, all shame, all disappointment washed away in his glory. And that is our destination. And it's not some sort of airy, fairy, wishful thinking, like magical, mystical thing that happens out there. This is where we are going, raised in glory, 
In eternity, we will experience the fullness of healing that God has promised. Physical healing, a body raised in glory, soul healing, oneness with Jesus. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Our trauma and disappointment, our doubts, our fears, all washed away in his grace. We shall know him fully, even as we are fully known by him. And the journey towards that starts now. This this incremental healing, this journey towards sanctification, as heaven breaks into the here and now of our mortal lives, we get a glimpse of this kingdom. Moments when healing happens, moments when, when miracles happen, moments of love and grace and forgiveness of answered prayers, those are foretastes, glimpses of that glory. When we talk about the word of God, it, it's a phrase with multiple meanings. It, it's, there's the prophetic word, these, these spoken words of truth that cut right through, go there for the here and now. There's the word of God, the Bible, this, this love letter to the world he created that paints this, this picture of a father running towards his children. And the word is Jesus, the word incarnate, the word made flesh, the alpha and omega, the one through whom all things were made the king on the throne, the son of God, who took on flesh to draw us into his kingdom. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh. The son of God emptied himself, taking on the nature of of a servant, inaugurating a new kingdom. This the start of a revolution, marking the start of this redemption journey for the whole of creation. And so recreation, the, the making all things new, begins at Christmas when the word became flesh. The victory was won at the cross when Jesus was crucified and rose again, and it will be completed at the final judgment day when there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And that's the ultimate miracle that we're walking towards. And when we see the instant, when we see miracles taking place in the here and now, what we are experiencing is the heaven of the then breaking into the today of the now. Moments when the arc of redemption is sped up and eternity collides with the present. I remember being um, a quite zealous um, young 20-something-year-old Christian at university. And I remember debating, or maybe arguing would be a better word, with one of my non-Christian flatmates. And she really struggled to comprehend um, that I, a seemingly um, relatively intelligent person, was a Christian. Um, and, and I guess I thought I could convince her into the kingdom with my reasoned oratory. And I remember one day, really vividly, we were having this argument. She was standing at the top of the stairs, arguing against the resurrection of Jesus. And I was standing at the bottom of the stairs, trying to explain to her why it really wasn't a big deal to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, if you believe that he created the whole of the world. And I was going for this kind of package deal argument that that goes something like this. If you believe that God created the whole of the universe out of nothing, that God created the laws of science and the physics of the universe, that, that he made humanity in his image, why is it so hard to believe that he might be able to bend those rules? He might be able to um, restore what is broken, heal what is damaged, and even raise from the dead. 
And I really thought that, that there was something in this argument. Turns out it's not. It falls apart if it's poked too hard. But it, <laughs> the package deal argument, that, that if, we, if we have a glimpse of the truth of who God is, that if we catch something of the truth of him as a creator, the reality of who he is, of what he has done, then believing in miracles really isn't that difficult. Wendell Berry, who um, is a farmer and a poet, um, he was writing uh, about the miracle of turning water into wine at the wedding in Cana, and he wrote this. Whoever really has considered the lilies of the field and the birds of the air and pondered the improbability of their existence will hardly balk at the turning of water into wine, which was, after all, a very small miracle. We forget the greater miracle and still continuing miracle by which water, with just soil and sunlight, is turned into grapes. And thinking about um, this talk, and, and actually, to be honest, the whole of this Miracles um, series, I, I need to confess a certain amount of internal conflict about it. I, I realized that I treated treat the miraculous, um, and maybe especially physical healings, as just something to do, part of the package deal of my faith. After all, it isn't so hard to believe in within the frame of faith. I can pay lip service to, the, to intellectually acquiescing to the concept of healing. I've seen it. I've prayed for it. I've witnessed it. I've heard countless stories about it. But deep down, sometimes it feels like there's something missing. Too much disappointment. Too much pain from unanswered prayers in my own lives and in the lives of those around me. Perhaps a bit of cynicism creeping in every now and again. Looking at the world around us, what's going on in the world. Frustration at, you know, maybe seeing the odd small healing, but not really seeing God move in those, in those big ways. Maybe the fear of praying the big prayers. But it's not enough to say that I believe in miracles because the Bible tells me to that it's just part of the package deal of faith. There is something that is so much greater than that, so much more beautiful to on offer, to experience, to encounter the God of miracles for ourselves, to see healings, moments when something is wrong and it is made right, see miracles of provision, of, of grace, the power of the prophetic word breaking in and changing somebody's life to see the, the kingdom of heaven come. So I want to leave you with these two verses again, this declaration of truth. God is a God of miracles. And there is an invitation today to experience that for ourselves. That those things that are in our lives that we need his light to break into. The places maybe around the world that we're crying out for God to move the healing that we want to see, the, the job, the home, the provision that we are desperate for, the storm that we need peace for. There is an invitation to experience the inbreaking kingdom in our life today. Jesus standing in front of us, each one of us saying, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed.